This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homestyle Radio, live review show, crowdfunded by Palace fans, for Palace fans. Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and I'm your host today as we look back at a horrific opening day defeat against newly promoted Huddersfield Town. An own goal from Joel Ward and two from club record signing Steve Mounier condemned Frank de Boer to a heavy defeat and seemed to realise the worst fears of many supporters before the whistle. Tonight we analyse the game and attempt to answer the questions as to what went wrong and why. Want to hear your views too? Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find all the ways to get in touch today. More? After this. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, we are then. Let's introduce the panel first and foremost. We have returning Lucy White. Hello. Hello. We also have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon. Yeah, you and your time difference. And we have, oh, just I'm excited about this, it's Mr. Nicholas Gillard. I've done my homework here. I thought I'd start this in Dutch. So, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's important that we uh, we also help people learn as, as well as um, laugh and stuff, isn't it, Nick? Indeed. We now know the Dutch for hello is hello. 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 Um, I have promised not to do any Dutch accents this season after some requests came in before we even started the show. um, We'll see how long that lasts. It's bound to happen at some point. I can't resist an accent. But for now, for now, I'm maintaining this this normal accent here that I usually use. Can you um, just stand under Steve McLaren's umbrella and do the show? (laughs) Almost definitely. Oh, dear. No, stop it. Right. um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, those of you listening live did you know you can also listen live on facebook if you search our page it's just homesdale radio on facebook you'll find a an article posted on our wall that will enable you to just click there'll be a lovely little picture there for you you can click on it and uh and you'll get listen to our 
Dulcet Tones live via Facebook. And on talking of Facebook, there's also a discussion page now where those of you that listen can get involved in live discussion and discuss throughout the week. Help us shape the show, both the preview and the review. Uh, so check out the, uh, I think you search Homesdale Radio, is it chat and discuss, something like that? Should probably check that, shouldn't I? I've been slick if I had check. Search the words Homestyle Radio and discussion and you'll find the page. You'll have to ask for an invite. We're, we're, you know, we're, we'll, we'll let everyone get on it. It's fine. You know, we're not going to say no. Obviously, we have a fairly strict no arseholes policy. Oh, I've said, anyway, that's fine. It'll be fine. You'll find it through our page and all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, if you want to get in touch throughout the day. Nick, you're manning the chat room. How will people find the chat room? Um, whole radio, H-O-L radio, dot net forward slash chat. Fantastic. There we go. That is how you do it. You don't flounder and look for the words that things are called. You just say it. I wish I was Nick. Oh. I wish you were me as well. I got lost today. <laughs> we went for a dog walk somewhere new, parked the car, an hour to find the bloody car again. That's spectacular. That happened to me. Uh, he scrinsted when I watched a pre-season friendly. And I, I was late, late-ish for the game. So I just parked and, and hurried to the ground and then I was after the game, I realised I had literally no idea where I'd parked. Just absolutely no clue. That was, a, that, was, that was a fun hour of my life, wandering aimlessly around in concentric circles until I found my car. Can we oh, um, talk about this sorry. instead of the game, please? Exactly. You can see we're trying to distract ourselves. Look, what we're going to do, a uh, new feature that those of you listening last week will already have heard the wonderfully jingled hamblings, ramblings. Well, to kick us off, we're going to start with, uh, with my rant that will lead us neatly to our first topic of discussion. So here it is. Chris Hambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue. The refs a couple, the players are, and guess what, so are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan Much. So another Hamblings Ramblings for you and um, it's not going to be a cheery one this week. You see, obviously you go into a, to a new season and you have a certain amount of fears that uh, sit there sort of deep within your soul. You, you've been a Palace fan for a while so you, you kind of know what's coming but nothing really prepares you. I think that's the theme of this week's little rant. The lack of preparation. I wasn't prepared to lose 3-0 to Huddersfield and the team certainly weren't prepared to play a game of football. You see, there's a few little things I'd like to pick out before I uh, before I try and get into some kind of context or to try and be fair about things. You see, when you line up with a team that simply has never played together, ever, uh, despite the fact you've just been through a pre-season, you've got to start asking questions. When you've played one player as a right wing back throughout the entire pre-season and then mysteriously a guy who's played 14 minutes of first team friendlies is selected at right wing back and surprise surprise can't play there you know then you start to question things don't you more importantly we've got a 27 million pound striker and we're playing in a way that creates how many chances for him that aren't from set pieces zero zero chances for him unless we get a set piece 
how on earth is that playing to your strength? So we're playing to a system where, of course, we're going to try and get the best out of our best players. So we're going to get Wilfred Zaha on the ball. Did we get Wilfred Zaha on the ball? No. But when Wilfred Zaha did get the ball, all that happened he was pushed in the small of his back and John Moss trotted away, probably thinking about his full-time pie or something like that. It was pathetic and I just don't get it. I don't get how you can go into a... Premier League game, it's the first game of the season, you're at home, you're trying to show the rest of the league what you're about, and all we showed them was that we didn't prepare, we were mentally unprepared, we were physically unprepared, we were tactically unprepared, how can you go into a Premier League season like that, you've got one hit recognised striker, you've got no idea how to play as a back three, leaving huge gaps, and you don't learn the lessons, you don't even learn the lessons in the game that you're playing, so... Do I think it was a good start for Frank De Boer's manager? No, no I don't. Chris Hambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue. The refs a cup, the players are, and guess what, so are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan Ma- Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I I love that jingle so much. Is it bad that I love it so much? <laughs> Narcissist. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Just saying. Oh my god! It's it's not that I just like the bit. My favourite phrase actually is "and guess what? So are you." In the context of it, anyway. <laughs> exactly. uh, if you're anything like me, you'll be singing that for the rest of the week. Um, but then again, maybe you're not a narcissist like I am. <laughs> uh, so the the theme of that was our, how poorly prepared we came across, and it's something we talked about. Well, in our in our last sort of our season preview, and it was also touched upon in uh, in Terence's preview um, in the middle of the week. and you just kind of had the you feared the worst really I think it's, uh, it's fair to say and a lot of those fears were realised but I, I want to do if I, I'll, I'll start off with a bit of tactical analysis and I, I want to start by uh, picking out a map that someone popped up on on Twitter which showed our, our passes and our positional sense and it was not so much the passing I want to focus on our play is so lopsided and in particular I want to pick out the difference in Van Arnholt and Joel Ward. Now, the reason I want to do that is very early on, uh, Pat, we were caught out. It was the, the chance that Tom, Tom Ince had very early on when he had a cross from the from the far side and uh, it just went into the centre of the box and he side-footed it into the arms of Wayne Hennessy. 
but the, re- the reason that came about is Van Aanholt was way up the pitch. And um, the discrepancy between the fact that Van Aanholt's position saw him as the third most forward player behind Wilfred Zaha and Christian Benteke, whereas Joe Ward was uh, other than was yeah the furthest back other than the back three. So you've got this almost diagonal line across the pitch where Ward is really far back on the right-hand side and Van Aanholt is really far forward on the left. Uh, Patrick, you're, you're a man who knows your tactics. That shows you that there are two players there playing the same position on opposite flanks. You just don't know the role properly. Well, arguably Patrick Van Aanholt plays too offensively and Joe Ward plays too defensively. Thoughts? Uh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing with the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, the three centre-halves are, are kind of tucked in, but the wing-backs defensively, and I heard Frank DeVore mention it, have to know have to come back defensively to make it really come the back five. And looking at, the, at what you just said, uh, Chris, Van Anholt is a very attacking. That's why I like about him. He's a very attacking. He's more of a wing back than Joel Ward is. But there has to be some balance between, you know, one going forward, one being back. And Joel Ward is good of a player as I think he's been for us. He's just not, he's not a wing back. He absolutely has no idea how to get forward. He's not a good cross of the ball. Technically, he's not a great player. So he was, he was caught out a lot yesterday. I think the, you know, that kind of shows that we just don't have the right players right now to play this system, but I think it can still work. I really do. Can I come in there? I will do then. Um, <laughs> what, I've, what I found was the three centre-backs were a bit too narrow. I'm gesticulating with my hands here. doing. I'm turning into an MP, doing all stuff with my hands. Um, in the chat room, Grumpy Mort, this is a whole radio.net forward slash chat, he said Ward is too slow to play the role, which is why he had to stay so deep. I thought Ward was... was pushing quite quite a lot further forward in the second half, obviously, because we're chasing the game. But it's, it's the ball over the top. I think the uh, David Wagner, the um, Huddersfield manager, got a real heads up from Frank De Boer in the presser before the game. Yes, we're going to play free. Yes, we're going to be playing with wing-backs. Why not give away your tactics? At, at least have a manager who, who doesn't reveal everything. And if we're going to stick with the same thing, it, it's going to give other teams... Licence to do the same as Huddersfield, but better because there will be better. Nick, uh, Patrick, go. Yeah, but Nick, I mean, I heard that comment on Twitter about, you know, a hundred times about tactics, but what did he give away? I mean, we've, we've been playing 3 3 the entire pre-season. He told us he was going to play that when he, when he joined the club. It's not like it's not a secret. That's what he likes to play. So, at least for, with us, I don't see that being a big deal. I mean, where certain players are going to play, maybe that's giving us stuff away. But he just says we're going to play a three-four-three. I mean, we know how else we're going to we're going to do. They played the same way they played last year. They were a high-pressing team that Gergen Fressen and where Liverpool play. So it's not like tactics are not a secret anymore. So that's not a to me that's not a big deal. What's a big deal is for me is that we don't we I think we have to wear two or three players short of being able to play the system correctly. Um, Luce, you want to come in on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, don't you just think it's such a sad state of affairs at how Joel Ward has become so bad at the position that he plays? Because, like you know, a couple of seasons ago, we were charting Joel Ward for England and the same with Scott Dan. And just the pair of them have just completely kind of capitulated. Either that or we've we've got better and they can't keep up with how, how good we are. Well, That's on the strength on the strength of yesterday, I don't know if we have got better. No, it's well, a difficult no, conversation to have. But I, I get, I get what you mean totally, Luce. I, I mean, it's you know, it's difficult because we're talking about a system and then we're talking about individuals as well. I, you know, I do side with with Patrick, and I think that you can't you can't blame the system entirely. No. Uh, I think again, 
Nick Nick's point's an interesting one. Do, you know, did did the ball give too much away? But again, I think Patrick's answered that pretty well. It doesn't really matter. You know, everyone scouts each other to such an extent that you know, if anything, they'd have been surprised by the fact that we picked players who hadn't played together. I think exactly. That, that was yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, but but if you if you take Joel Ward, um, you know he's he struggled last season for form. You know, he played played every game for us, but um, but he was you know we picked him out on this show. Uh, as, as someone who was struggling with, I suppose it's it's in possession that he that he seems at his weakest. Um, mm. I don't I don't know I don't know what to make of it. I mean, so yesterday I, I would be quite critical of Ward, but people did pick out that he did some good things, and in particular chasing back and making a great challenge in the first half to save a certain goal. But you know when you look at what happened with with the two that Huddersfield scored, you know obviously Ward's put one of them into his own net where. It's, you know, you can't do a huge amount about it other than the fact that you look at his, where he's standing and the fact that he's looking into his own goal net when it happens. Why why are you looking into your own goal net? <laughs> the, ball's, the, ball's, the ball's not there. There's no players there. They're not going to do anything there. So why, why have you managed to turn around facing into your own net from a yard out? I don't know. I, I don't know why why that would happen. Do you think but maybe so- DeVore, sorry, do you think maybe DeVore kind of was like, I don't know, trying to, Get him to get Joel Ward to prove a point, and he was almost kind of setting him up for a fall. Well, no, I, I, I know what you mean, but I, I think I said it a little bit uh, last week when I, I felt that the reason we had Townsend playing so much at, at right wing back is because De just trusted that Joel Ward could play that role. That, you know, he's played right fullback for so long, he's played in midfield before, he's played further forward for, for Portsmouth in the past, and you know, he's. He should, technically speaking, on paper and probably in training, you know, it's probably there's no real need to test him in that role. But what that game showed was there absolutely was because mm. he he is a weak link on that side. There's no two ways about it. And defensively, I'm not talking about going forward as well. Defensively, he's too often caught out. You know, the a couple of passes could, could, could get round him easily if someone overlaps. Uh, the system we've got didn't really give him any. A, a huge amount of help out there because Fosu Mensah's playing in his first game after two days of training with us. So, you know, there was a lot questionable about that selection. But for me, going back to the system, you know, the, the lopsided average positions, the fact that, you know, we've got this huge gaping hole. And it's interesting, Nick, you, you felt that the back three were too narrow. Well, the the average position actually shows that Fosu Mensah and Riedewald were actually way too far, on average, away from Scott Dan, who... Was, was pretty much isolated because Milivojevic wasn't playing just in front of him. So you had this huge open space where if if Huddersfield got forward breaking, which they did on several occasions, they would always be at absolute worst three on three at the back with us. But yeah. quite often, quite often, they'd get in between Fossi Mensa and Riedewald with a couple of players and it's two on one on Scott Dan through the centre. So Dan, half the game, didn't know where to be, didn't know where he was supposed to be and didn't have that relationship and that trust with Riedewald and Fosu Mensa to know how they were going to cover him. Also, uh, Chris... Defensively, we were just a proper mess. Uh, Patrick said Nick first, and then you can come in, Nick. Yeah, uh, first I want to get quickly, I'll go back to Joel Ward. Um, Joel Ward is, is, you know, it's not a put-down, he's an old-fashioned English right-back. And mm. as Fosu Mensa mentioned, uh, Chris, that... When you play in um, Holland, you learn to play different positions. England doesn't do that as much. So, Joe Ward only knows how to play right back. So, he's perfect in an Allardyce back four or a Pulis back four. Any other system, he's not going to work it. And that's not his fault. So, 
that, that's the first thing. Um, going back to the um, the, uh, the the back three, Chris, you were talking about you know the positioning. I think one of the biggest issues is Scott Dan, not as a player but as a leader. He doesn't talk enough. Now you make a great point. Those three have, have played for the first time together was yesterday, which I think is, is amazing. You thought about it in, a, in a, um, a Premier League match together for the first time. But Dan doesn't talk like, let's say, um, uh, Damo talks and organizes the defense. So Fosu Mensa and, and Riederwald have to kind of figure out what they're doing. You know, again, they've played the first time together on, in, in the Palace shirt was yesterday. So it's, it's difficult. I think it can, it can definitely get better. Because it can't get much worse. But I just think it really means that those three, or wherever the back three are, might be Tompkins next week, who knows, have to be able to communicate. But I think the communication is the key because Mounier found pockets of space between those three all day long, which is why he looked so good yesterday. Nick? Yeah, I mean, Patrick kind of touched on what I was going to say about Dan being very, very quiet, especially when he was um, captain. And maybe that's the reason. Um, We did miss Sacco in that position, I think. We we got... um, we were lucky last season to get him in. Can I give you some stuff from the chat room? Absolutely. Please? Okay. Um, we've got Dweeb who says fullbacks who may go forward, but they've got to be defenders first and foremost. Uh, Cool Eagle says he prefers Schlupp to Van Arnholt, who is very suspect defensively. Um, PVA was very poor, according to Matt. Grumpy Moore said Ward's never been good. Um, Matt has also said that we played four at the back last season and let in three or more in around 10 games. Um, Dan slow, time for Waldy to move on. He turned down a four year contract, he should be off to Pompeii. Um, so that seems harsh. Um, no, it's yeah, I, I think, I think again, going back to a point that you made, Patrick, um. I think there has been a, a degree of overreaction, and that's understandable because we've just lost three 0 to a newly promoted side. You know, yeah. we had all kinds of optimism. You know, the the manager talked about how prepared he was, and we've just seen. You know, they were they were ten times sharper than we were. Yeah. Uh, and and I think the fears that that were expressed in in Terence's preview pod of the high pressing and us not being able to cope were that was the key point in the game. I think in the we when we had possession at the back. There just wasn't enough sharpness. There wasn't enough movement uh, around the rest of the team to cope with that. In spells, we knocked it about brilliantly. In, in spells, we looked a, a decent team. But unfortunately, when you've lost 3-0, you kind of completely completely overshadows any of the positives. Now, we will be talking about some of the positives because there were some, believe it or not. But uh, let's go, got the, get this uh, analysis over what, what went wrong done first. Uh, Luce, you've got some comments from Facebook. Yeah, um, so Marcus Summerhays, picking up on what you just said, Hambo, um, Huddersfield have shown other teams how to play against us using the crazy three-at-the-back system. And Phil Dunn said after our pre-season game that I wasn't confident. One game down, I'm still not impressed. I know things take time, but in the Premiership, Premier League, um, you don't have a lot of it. Yeah, and I think that's the fear. A lot of people said that um, pre-show, really, in the sense that... um, we can't throw away these opening games. They're going to be important. You know, we've already arguably thrown away three really critical points uh, and we're only into our first game. So it, do, it does feel like that. And of course, people are going to be um, concerned. But we were told that this would take time. We were told that the players would really have to work hard to learn. And it's interesting hearing De Boer talk about the fact that, that he felt what went wrong was the players didn't play to the plan that was set. So... You know, we've got to very, very quickly learn why that was. Um, 
what the plan was and what the differences were is you know he didn't really get into but but certainly if if that's how he feels and it was something that 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 Allardyce said a few times when we lost games that the players didn't actually set up the game plan properly. Uh, go on, Patrick, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, Chris, um, I think what he means, and I'm, I'm going to interpret because I kind of know a little bit about how the 3-4-3 works, you have to have a, um, players that are comfortable on the ball. Now, at, at points yesterday, Scott Dan looks like he was afraid of the football. Um, he, he, at one point, he, he uh, uh, fell over the board and, and, and uh, Huddersfield got forward. And she's like, just pass it, he passed the ball back. He passed the ball back to... Um, Hennessy way too many times and what the goal he has to be able to do Chris is to, is to find the wing backs wide or the or any two of the uh, center, center backs and, and play the ball to them and I think after the first two times he did it Hennessy decided that I think he played the ball to, uh, to Dan at one point and Dan lost it he just decided he just started hoofing the ball and which is totally you cannot play the 3-4-3 that way because you're giving up possession right away because the whole point of the 3-4-3 is possession so I think that's the thing that we didn't do yesterday we didn't persist with it because we got nervous and obviously the marking on defensive was, was poor that's something that any system has to be better at which is is that defending so i think that's one of the things that um you could kind of interpret the ball thing after the match that we have to get better at in order for this to work but i have a, a kind of a question throughout there had we played our, our normal system whatever that is four two three one or four four two and we'd lost what people have said then well very very much the same although they wouldn't have been playing the system they just would have played exactly. the players i think exactly they would have they would have found any excuse to mind that you know, it would have been yeah. Hennessy's fault or we're missing Kabai or we need to buy Sacco or we haven't spent this much. I mean, you know, I, I was very angry after the game yesterday. And I was like, oh, we need to spend money. And But, yeah, in hindsight, after a sleep and reflection, it's not necessarily about throwing money at players. And it's it's about working with what we've got. And, yeah, OK, so we do need to invest, but... If we're not going to invest, then we've got to lump it as fans. Yeah, we might be disgruntled, but we need to to utilise the players that we have got and drop the ones that aren't performing. Yeah, um, that nail on the head though, Luce, in terms of utilising the players we have we have got. When you look at the first eleven, there's not much wrong with that that we we played yesterday. That that team should not, not should not should not be losing three 0 to Huddersfield with the greatest yeah. respect to Huddersfield. Now there is a context. There's the context of the fact that. You know, a newly promoted side, you've seen it, you know, okay, if you think when we first came up and we played Spurs, okay, we lost that game 1-0, but first of all, it was never apparently the the Moxie situation, but also, you know, we played far beyond our abilities in that game because we had this momentum, we just got up, you know, that team had played together a huge amount, it does make it does make it easier for you and quite hard for the opposition, but that's no excuse for that team losing so heavily. I think you wanted to jump in a moment ago before I go. Yeah, um, I can't remember what it was now. I'm just thinking, I'm nodding instead of going, mmm, like it was last <laughs> season, which is quite good. <laughs> so I was quite pleased with myself for that. Um, this plan of the 3 4 3, a, a few people in the chat room at wholeradio.net forward slash chat uh, have been saying we've got to get, get it going, but there is no plan B. Um, Eagle Simo has said, Can I just say one thing? We are a new team with new tactics and a new manager. Let's not get the razor blades out just yet. And how long did that yeah, last win his first game? Exactly. Yeah, like, look, I, to- I do totally agree with that. You know, again, as, as Lucy's quite rightly pointed out, if you'd asked me yesterday, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you, know, you know, I had no rationality yesterday. I, just want- I, just <laughs> I saw you yesterday, so I shouldn't <laughs> vouch for that. Vouch for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
but you know, it's it, it is you know even in, even in De Boer's program notes, he said it's going to take a, a fair while for this team to get it. But you know, I think if we, if we can sort of slightly move on from from this, the, the sort of focus on the system and let's look at uh, how we've conceded those goals and look at the defensive organisation a little bit. Um, we've mentioned that opening goal. That was, in fact, there's there's really you're talking about the first two goals are all about marking. So from the from the first, it's a, a corner where we've been caught out with a near po- near post flick on. It happens, right? You know, it, sometimes a corner's well worked, put in the right area, and they're going to get to it first. But if you look how we dealt with it after that, there's three of their players unmarked on the far post. And if you look at where our players are positioned, as I said, you've got Ward standing two two yards off the line, looking into the goal net. You've got uh, you've just got a bunch of people standing in the six yard box with no one around them. You know, we've we've been caught out there. That's bad. But then a couple of minutes later, you know, a fairly straightforward move down down the uh, down the left hand side, down our right, and um, and they're free to put in a, a kind of cross that Christian Benteke would love to see to his head. And it's and it's two 0 and the game's pretty much over at that point. Uh, but again, you've got Scott Dan, who's because uh, Fosu Mens has gone out to the right to try and stop the cross. So all of a sudden, you've got Scott Dan and uh, Joe Rodriguez in in, right. the, in the middle, and you've just got you've got one striker in there. So there's a cross coming into one striker. You've got two players. Should that striker be able to get that header? He's he's a, he's a great runner, here. great run and jump, but. Who's Scott Dan marking? What's Scott Dan doing? You know he he's got caught out. And Riedervald, you know he's got a, he's got a, he's got to see the man. You know, and, and for some reason he's just stood on his on his haunches and let the guy, you know, have, have a run of the ball. He's almost you ducked know? down there, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's right. so jump, you, even you, if he just puts him off and jumps, he just may may make him put the header off target. And you talk about headers. Uh, Benteke uh, had two headers in the game. One in the first half was absolutely awful. We should be getting it on, on target. Player of that yeah, 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 he had to go at Will for not reacting to the fact that the ball was headed sort of over him. But uh, yeah, should be getting out of target. It was a good save in the second half, wasn't it, that one? But, it was. But there you go. That's the, that's the virtues of having a goalkeeper that makes saves. Uh, Lucy, you, uh, you wanted to get <laughs> talk, talk about the defence a bit there. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the first two goals, I was... I was sitting sit in the Holmesdale and you could just see them happening. You could see it happening before it actually did. Uh, they were just all over the place. And um, watching the Brighton game, ooh, yeah, they lost. Um, their defence was considerably a lot better than ours. I know they lost 2-0, but at one point they had seven men in the box. And is that's the sort of thing that we need to be looking at doing and getting into position and preventing those things from happening. You know, we can't let stupid goals like that happen next season because that was Huddersfield. What are Liverpool going to do to us? What are, what are man's we got Man City, Man United to like one after the other. What are they going to do to us? It's it's really Well, well that's where um where and Patrick brought it up earlier. That's where, you know, that back 3 should which should become a tighter five. More narrow back 5, yeah, and, that, and that's how you should play against those those tougher teams, but you know that doesn't mean you should show the kind of naivety that we showed against Huddersfield because it was very, like you say, you could see it coming. That's the, the point you're making spot on. You could see it coming. You could see it coming from the, the third or fourth minute where Van uh, Holt was caught way up the pitch and Wolf was having to run all the way back to you know Wolf Wolf's bagging behind Benteke. He shouldn't be running the entire length of the pitch to try and make a tackle in the left back area because. 
that's where Van Arnhold should be breaking his neck to get back. So that's yeah. that was frustrating. But you could see we just weren't reacting to the to the game that was playing in front of us. Patrick and Chris, and that's not that's not system oriented. That is players not playing properly. Like you just said, Scott Dan Readable should be able to see Mune making that making that run when they're mar- marking anybody else. He's the only one in the box. If you have five back, I just said you got the wingbacks coming back. You could also pull, you could always get punch and Milivojevic coming back. That's seven versus what? At most, four attackers on another team. It had nothing to do with the system. Right? People are going to bang on about that rest of the season. It's all about the players taking responsibility, the communication in the back. And as you said before, maybe making a miraculous save that gets out of position. But I'm telling you, it's not about the, that the uh, system. That's about players just not communicating, not working together, not defending properly. Simple. Yeah, totally agree. Luce, you've got a quote there for us about our set-piece defending. Yeah, so this was said by Ruben Loftus-Cheek uh, to Chris Grierson. Um in his post-match interview and he he said sometimes set pieces decide the game and Palace should bloody know that because we've won yeah. so many games from set pieces yet that's the one thing that bites us on the bum the whole time and that I mean God bless Loftus-Cheek because you know he was fantastic yesterday yeah. but to say something like that that really wound me up because I was just like Palace should blooming well know that. Yeah, it's it is an obvious statement, but but the interesting point on that for me is is just that that was another thing that I didn't feel we were, were prepared well enough to deal with. You know, we our, our own set pieces were poor. You know, other than the, the one that, went, that landed on Ben, well, sorry, the two that landed on Benteke said so they were they were well worked, and we were Benteke should have done better as Nick said on one, and I think the other one was a very very good save, and we were unlucky. But other than that, we were quite poor with our own set pieces. But defending set pieces, you know, technically speaking, we're we're defending with an extra centre back. It should should make things easier. But uh, Patrick, you might have spotted this actually. Were were we zonal yesterday? Do you think? You know, what? I, I've got to believe we had to be because I did not see at any point one person marking Munier. It was always like a, a combination of uh, Dan and Riederwald. Force Mess actually was playing more wide right to help Ward out because you know how Ward doesn't cut out crosses so he was trying to help out with Ince and uh, Moy on that side so I, I, I couldn't but I couldn't see at all at any point us man marking I think that's something that is a very European thing Chris I think that's what um, he'll bring to the club I hate it uh, everybody knows Liverpool play zonal and how bad they are on, on set pieces also play zonal you hear all over the commentary how people make fun of it zonal marking is one of the worst ways to defend and it, it, it kills teams and I think we, if we're going to go to that we're going to be even Worse at defending set piece than we were in the last couple of years. Yeah, for me, zonal marking is death in the Premier League. It is it absolute is. death. You know, particularly, and again, this is this is not meant to be disparaging to the likes of Huddersfield. It's worse against the lower teams, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the teams who know that the, the set piece is the best way for them to get a, a breakthrough in a game. They work so so hard on it. You know, Pulis is is the master of it. You there know, you if, go. If, yeah, King, uh, and if if we play zonal against the Pulis team, we're in trouble. You know that, that we, we, yeah, I don't know. We, we certainly you've got to have the players being used to it. And we, we certainly don't feel that way. Talking of um, players being used to it, Chris, why, why didn't Townsend start? Is there any truth in the rumor that he turned up late? I've not think about that. I'll be quite honest with you. Anyone else has? I have heard it, but I don't think, I don't think it's true because yeah. Would, would, would he been on the bench if that was the case? You'd have taken him out of the squad, wouldn't you? Well, here's my yeah. question then. It, I heard it was for... I, yesterday, I heard it was because of an injury, but he came on and played. So, um, 
if he if he's injured, you know, he shouldn't have played. I, I don't I know I don't know. Let me tell you something. When I saw War's name on the on the sheet, I was shocked. I just couldn't believe because I'd never War hasn't played that way. We didn't play the way the entire preseason. I couldn't figure out why he was there. So there's something going on. Whether he was injured and or he came late, but it wasn't just it wasn't tactical because it, it was tactically disastrous. Yeah, and obviously there's all sorts of rumours about a move to Stoke at the moment and all that. And you yeah. do kind of think that if there are rumours in the press, that's probably his agent. And is he looking for a move away? Is, exactly. he, not, is, he, is he not looking forward to playing as a right wing back? Does he want to go somewhere else? <laughs> well, Who you'd knows? think he'd try and bloody impress a team if he wants to move to them, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, again, we, we're, we're, we'll come to the positives in a moment, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about the the service into Benteke. Uh, Can I start? Does, yeah, just, well, yeah. Well, uh, Andy A in the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat, said Mounier did what Benteke doesn't. He moves around and he created his own chances. The moaning a little bit that um, Benteke is a bit static when he hasn't got the ball. Yep. Back there, are we? Mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> that didn't take long. But but why 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 have Christian Benteke and then decide to play a way that needs him to run around like a headless chicken? Because you're not going to get it. We'll go rid of him exactly, Chris. We're not playing to his strengths. That, that I will agree 100. percent We are not playing to his strengths. It's going to be like this. He'll be he'll be he'll be look like he did at Liverpool. You're right. But but if you actually look at the system, right? This is this is my point about this. If we were if we were playing a different way um, than we than we are looking to play, I'd. I'd be concerned, but I'm actually not not that concerned. Other than the fact that we don't seem to be actually putting the ball in the box. Exactly. If you, if you look, the right wing backs are supposed to overlap and get crosses in, right? So you've got two additional players to, to cross in. Yes. Uh, whoever's playing alongside, be it Townsend, be it Zaha, be it Lokilo, or be it in Loftus Sheik, as it was in the first half, that's an additional player playing in a wide forward position who can guess what get a cross in. So actually, we're I totally get it. We're we're set up to uh, you know to, to to actually put some crosses in the box. We'll come back to this in just a moment. We're going to need to have a jingle, and it's not for technical reasons at all. We're just we just we just fancy having a jingle. Let's have a jingle. Buy Vimto, get your Vimto. There are ninety nine reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. I enjoyed having that jingle, did you? I loved it. Fantastic. It's a good message. It really a is. Tingles or jingle, did you just say? <laughs> jingle. <laughs> that was a quick tingle, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Uh, oh, don't, uh, on that subject, I've got to tell you, out dog walking this morning. Uh, a really uptight couple walked there, Alsatian, and um, we walked past them this morning and said, oh, have you had a wee up your favourite winky tree? And I just haven't been able to get that out of my head all day. That's something positive, <laughs> isn't it? It's deep, deeply, deeply concerning, Nick. Thank you for sharing. So we were talking about Christian Benteke before we realised something that was wrong in the technical setup there, which hopefully you'll be hearing us a lot better now uh, than, than you were. Fingers crossed. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> So, as I said, the, the team is actually set up to, to get more crosses in. Um, so, why didn't that happen, Patrick? Patrick. The crosses Patrick. were rubbish, Chris, weren't they? Yeah. No, have. sorry. There was, there was one time when Ward had a great opportunity to put a cross in. He puts a cross in. We have Benteke 
Zaha and Rafa Cheek in the box, and he kept puts it over the back of the, the net, and they all put their hands up like, "What are you doing?" So when we get a chance to put them in, we got to put them in. That's the first yeah. thing. Second thing, I, I thought Will had chances to put crosses in yesterday and didn't, so yeah. that was a little concern. I thought he played really well first half, but was a little bit two one on one and actually one on two. They were double teaming each time, and I think he could put crosses in earlier. We could have maybe got an earlier chance for Benteke. Yeah, he certainly overplayed it a fair bit, Wilf. And he, yeah. that, that, cross, that cross of, of Joel Ward. Last year, I kept my my off-air comments about Ward. <laughs> well, I kept them off-air, basically. For <laughs> so, people, but the guys will know, one of my regular comments was referring to him as Toblerone feet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that was. Uh, it was just, <laughs> to play that ball like that <laughs> under no pressure at all was just... Deeply, deeply concerning. Like, I, I feel bad. I do feel bad saying that, but you know he's a professional footballer. He should be able to put a ball in. Nick, when he when he first came though, weren't we talking about how versatile he was? Weren't we talking about how he has never had his own chance? We even tried to bring his bring up chance that we could sing at Sellers. I don't think anybody did. Maybe that's why he's not performing as well. <laughs> oh yeah, the chance, yeah. definitely the lack of a chance. Perfect. Yeah. <sighs> Nailed not, it, Nick. No, but you sing it again, Nick. But basically, no. Look, it, it, you don't like. It's very, very. I mean, we've we've done it throughout our history, as does every other club. You always have your scapegoats. I've said it correct. <laughs> not escaped goats. <laughs> but so you do. You you know, much arguably is one. Ward is Hennessy. arguably one. Hennessy is arguably one. Damo. You know, it does get very. And you, yeah, and you, and you do kind of you see the worst in them. You see the mistakes that they make, and you forget the good things and all that kind of stuff. That is true, right? And, and we shouldn't be victimising Ward, but it, it's no coincidence that people are seeing more bad than good from him at the moment. You know, it, it's unfortunately, whether it's, you know, too long at the club, whether it's, I, don't, I just, I don't know really. It's It's been a very, very frustrating uh, time watching Joe Ward and, and, and maybe his time is up. I think we're going to probably take a short break off air um, for, for, for a moment and just... No, apparently not. I've been told, no, no, don't worry, Chris. It actually says, don't, don't worry, Chris. That's Russian, isn't it? Looking like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had some issues this show. But let's, let's move on from that. You know, the service for Teco, the point I was, I was really making just to round that off is that the, the, the system actually can work for, for Christian Benteke. Okay, We shouldn't overreact to the fact that the very little was, was created for him. But it was a concern I had pre-season, and, it, and it's gone into the first game that, we simply weren't playing to his strengths. It's interesting that the times he did get the ball down and plays, play, uh, you know, the support striker kind of role where he played Wilf in a couple of times and, you know, worked very, very well. When he had the ball, he actually did very, very well. So it's unfair to sort of pick him out and criticise, I think some people have. Uh, he's not, I don't, I don't want to see Christian Benteke running down the channels, chasing the ball into the corners. It's just, just pointless. You, you might as well sell Benteke and get a different striker entirely to do that. Uh, he is already striker at the moment, so we don't, obviously don't want to do that. But um, let's uh, touch a little bit on uh, the treatment the Wilf got. So you'd have seen pictures, I would have thought of him, in a leg brace at the moment after another game of being kicked all over the shop. Uh, and the, it brought the refereeing into into play for me because there's been some criticism that Wilf was going down too easy by some of the... Some no. of the honestly, and I was saying this from, from, from minute one, Every time the ball was played into Wilf's feet, the first thing a defender did was push him in the small of the back. And how often does a player who, when he receives the ball, puts his foot on it, then immediately he's shoved and kicks the ball out of play himself and the ref gives the throw on to them? How many times does that have to happen for the referee to think, oh, hang on a second, that's, 
That's a professional footballer there. He keeps seemingly running the ball out of play for no reason. I wonder what's actually happening there. Do you think maybe that there's a player pushing him on your blind side? Maybe that the fact that he's complaining to you and saying, come on, ref, didn't you spot that kick? Didn't you spot that push? There's actually a reason for that. So frustrating to watch. Patrick. And to kick it off, uh, the comms over here mentioned that John Moss went to him and said, you can play more time, I'm going to book you. So not only not protecting the poor kid, he was going to book him for complaining about getting pushed in the back and kicked over. John Moss is a total bleep. Ran over. <laughs> he, he was he was embarrassing yesterday. Joke. As I said Joke. on my uh, BT Sport video, he's a referee who's fatter than I am. I'm fed up with it. You know, you can't, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not in any condition to, to referee a Premier League football match. He can't keep up with play, so he literally just guesses what's going on. You could see it. He's just like, probably their throw. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like Wolf moaning. I'll just give some free kicks against him, and that'll be fine, won't it? Nick? He, uh, is, al- is he already the most fouled player in the Premier League? After three minutes, we said he's, he's like mm-hmm. 10 fouls ahead of everybody else. But, um, yeah, and, and you could see that that's what they played for. Wolf was getting wound up. You could see he was getting wound up. And I, I, was, I thought he was lucky to, to actually escape a yellow card. Well, Nick, the stats state that Huddersfield had 19 fouls to our seven, so he must have been the most fouled player yesterday, at least. Yeah, and Andy A in the chat room says everyone knows we stop Wilf and we'll struggle, so they kick and foul him. Yeah, but that's where you need a referee to do his job, and yet again, we had a referee too weak or too inept to do a job. Uh, It's not the reason we lost the game. You know, because they're putting that much attention on Wilf, you you need to take advantage in other areas, and we were just too poor to do that. Bum. But look, that's going to be a feature this season. We said it last week. We're going to say every single week, Wilf's going to get kicked. The trouble is, at some point, he's going to get injured. And we don't know how serious that injury is. Hopefully, it's just a precaution uh, and he'll be back for, for the Liverpool game. But if not, it's, it's you know, the blame goes squarely on poor, weak refereeing for the fact that he's being completely uh, unprotected every single game. And you can see how much he's <laughs> winding up his teammates. Yes, hello, what? John Moss yesterday was as good as Salad doing the cup draw, according to Matt in the chat room. <laughs> well, come on, look, I'm not a fan of John Moss, but <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Sarko's cup draw was, was just the worst thing anyone's ever done ever. Come on. And, and that's I didn't hear any of that. You all talked at the same time and just made a weird robot sound. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I just want to mention a couple of quick things uh, while while they're on my list, and I'll give you guys a chance to bring some stuff up if you've got it. Uh, I wanted to mention the fact that there was a reaction at halftime, which pleased me, but uh, it wasn't enough. And what I want to pick out from that was the... I think if you go, you're about 20 minutes into the second half. Uh, it's still 2-0, and we're knocking the ball about a little bit, and the ball keeps going back to Hennessy, and the crowd are getting restless. Uh, first of all, I, I get that the, the new manager wants us to be patient and to build up and play. You know, we've got to get used to that, right? We've got to get used to the fact that if there isn't a forward pass available, we're going to knock it back to keep the ball. And I and I like that. And we, you know, but we have an adjustment to do there. However, the lack of urgency when you're two 0 down and you're chasing a game worries the hell out of me. Uh, and again, and I hate to pick on him, but I'm gonna. Wayne Hennessy had the ball at his feet for a good 30 seconds in the second half, just kind of strolling around the box, trying to think, 
about what to do next. Listen, mate, just get rid of it. Like, if you can't think, do it. Just knock it up to Benteke or whatever. Don't just stroll around with it when we're chasing the game. Because all you're going to do is frustrate the hell out of the fans and people are going to think, that guy has absolutely no idea of, a, of how to manage a game. He's got no concept that we're trying to chase a result. He's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. That frustrated me. So game management needs to improve. Uh, sorry, I ranted. Does anyone have a comment on that? Do you think players are too worried to not do what the manager wants, though? Because games do change. Is De Boer getting a message across? Was there a plan B? I mean, it's, it's the amount of times we got caught trying to play the ball out from the back, um, especially when People... and I'm going to have a little moan. A little moan about Punction because Punction was great when he got the ball and went forward to it. But every time he got the ball, rather than playing a quick pass, he did the uh, the Punction pirouette, as I saw it called. He can't <laughs> get the ball and not do a 360-degree turn with it. I don't think he can. I've got to concede that I, I mentioned after the game, again, Lucy will back me up in that I was angry and irrational. <laughs> but I, I was talking about Punction. I said, if you want a guy... To spin around wildly in the midfield for no apparent reason, punching your man. But um... <laughs> <laughs> what I liked was the picture of him outside the ground on the fan zone. He's bloody pointing. Yeah. Look, um, there was there was some valid criticism of of punching, and there was some extremely wrong criticism of punching. And Patrick and I were about to pick out, and that is, he was criticised for repeatedly giving the ball away, wasn't he, Patrick? Yeah, and he had a 91% passing completion rate. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. gave, it, gave away three times the entire match. So, again, yeah. I, listen, Chris, the spinning around is frustrating. I can understand that part. but And the point to Nick, I think the point to Nick, by the way, is really to um to kind of help organise. Like I told you, Dan doesn't talk. No one on that in that team really talks. I think he's trying to help organise the back four, but I guess, oh, the back five. I can get, though, how you might get a little frustrated at the pointing. But again, he made a great uh, pass to Zaha, by the way, that he should have scored on about the 50-something minute when we were 2-0 down. So he wasn't great yesterday. I think he and Milivojevic have an issue playing together, but you want to put Kabai in there, fine. But Kabai's going to struggle in there, too, what we're playing right now. So you can dump on punching all you want, and he's, you know, the pride of South London, the Croydon boy, he shouldn't have the captaincy, whatever. But I'm telling you right now that it's not all about just Puncher being poor. It's just not. And to say he gave away a was just laughable. Laughable. I didn't uh, say that, Patrick. No, no, people on Twitter did. Like, DR. Oh, people on Twitter, all right now. No, no, I, I get that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. There is, there is a point to be made that, you know, I'm sure there were key moments where he did give the ball away those three times. I'm sure they were important moments that stuck in people's minds. But it shows you that if you want to see, you'll, you'll see what you want to see, you know, in, in some senses. Because every player will give the ball away. If you want to talk about whether there's a player who keeps giving the ball away, if you watch him long enough, he'll do it. And he'll validate your opinion, right? He will. But having said that, if I was, if I wanted to pick out criticism for, for Jason Punch, and I don't particularly want to, but but I would say that, he again was he was a little indecisive he was very negative with his passing um you know 91 percent pass completion is great but if the majority uh pass little passes back or sideways passes you're not really furthering your, your team's ability to get back into a game once you're trying to chase it but you so they're, the they're, ball. you know they, well exactly he, he might be doing what what his what his manager wants him to do and what he's in the team to do so you have to be a little bit wary of, of how you how critical you are but i would like to see 
you know, the punching of a couple of years ago used to drive the ball forward and put teams under pressure and, you know, and, and you know, have some decent shots. But that isn't the, the Jason punching we have anymore. Um, the, the, the problem with the pirouette is he, we saw how much Huddersfield harried and, and closed down on whoever had the ball. There was always two or three players on them. And with punching making that pirouette, it gave gave the opposition time and I think he lost possession a couple of times there the other thing that I noted down yesterday but only only just remembered it Huddersfield seemed to be able to win tackles we didn't well I, I don't think that I don't necessarily know that that's the case we we won plenty of tackles really but it does seem that way when you're chasing the game that everything that they you, you remember all they do right and all that you do wrong but uh, Patrick I'm sorry you wanted to jump in on, on the punching thing it just actually I want to compare him um, Michael Carrick is uh, renowned for possible backwards, and people have always said, "Well, man, in fans, how great he is." So I get that it looks uh, it looks strange and it doesn't really work. But a lot of players have made careers out of uh, another uh, famous player, the former um, Palace player Ray, Ray Wilkins. But every ball that he played was sideways and backwards. He played for England for eighty times and played in the World Cup. So it's it's a way of playing. It may not be uh, elegant, but it's a way of playing. A lot of players got away with the whole careers of being successful at it. So just to say that. Yeah, no, and Sean Derry got used to get called the crab for doing it as well. Yes, so, you know, exactly. it, it, yeah. but you're right. There is a there is a role for that. But I, I think again, it gets frustrating when you're when you're chasing a game. Absolutely. I think if we were if we were two 0 up and we were keeping possession and he was playing that way, you'd be applauding it. You really would. But there you go, uh, Loose. I think the problem yesterday was that every single well, not every single one, eight, about eighty percent of our players were so passive. And they just they just didn't look like they were fresh and ready to start the season. It it was just so disappointing. But there were I feel that there were a couple of good positives come from it, um, which was Loftus Cheek and I thought the subbing of Andros Townsend. I thought Andros Townsend. But also my favourite bit of the whole game was that cross from I think it was right Reedwold to Wilf he literally like crossed it the whole length of the pitch it was and... Loftus Cheek Loftus was it Loftus Cheek, Cheek? Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely oh, yeah, yeah. my bad did do a similar pass uh, in the second half as well it just wasn't as long he just sort of chipped it over a couple of players to, to Wilf as well but the one with the tackle back Loftus Cheek went all the way back made a brilliant challenge turned around and then just sprayed it perfectly to Wilf that was yeah that was really really impressive and but I, think I think we can oh. pick up on those and take them as positives yeah. um, I think so. the one thing that annoyed me was that Frank De Boer after his like in his post-match interview was he said we lost the game in like he said in that time which was like the first after the first 15 minutes and he was like not the start we expected or wanted. We made the wrong choices and the wrong decisions. The thing that annoyed me about that is if you knew we'd lost the game that early on, why didn't you do something about it? <laughs> well, yeah, I know what you mean. He did He did try to change it, but not. But I suppose if you try and change it and you see more of the same, you've, you've kind of failed in that sense. But um, I think when you pick out Loftus-Cheek, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of what I was talking about with Punchin. Whereas Loftus Cheek was a was a driving force from the middle, you don't get that with Punch anymore. And I think I think that's no. that's an interesting thing to to pick out that that he was he was one of the huge positives, an excellent player. Um, I think some people are frustrated that we've we've got players out in, in in on loan, but that shows you how that system can actually work for you. And uh, Nick, you wanted to make one. 
Yeah, um, Timothy, um, what a great tackle. How did he get back for that tackle? That's one of the greatest tackles I've ever seen at Sellers Park. That was a positive. The speed that he got back with, the way he hooked his foot round without, without making a foul. I mean, for somebody of 19, that is sublime. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, his pace was was discussed quite closely um, by uh, by De Boer when we when we signed him, and that really came into the fore. But yeah, like you say, also great skill to see a, a challenge come in like that. You know, and he, he had a half decent game as well. He was, you know, I think again, you you got to understand he's put into that team without really playing with anyone, and and he looked like it at times. But but I he think was the only... he, he grew into the game. He was the only one who seemed to want the short ball from Hennessy and actually do something with it rather than get the ball, look around. He was getting the ball and moving off straight away. There was no no dilly-dally in it. Let's get forward. Let's move forward. Let's get the ball in there half. Well, that's and it. I thought that was posit- positive. Uh, the others were a bit, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, there was a period of the first half where a large percentage of our team were scared, scared of Huddersfield, mm. you know. If you're going into a to a Premier League season and and you're going to get the ball at your feet and be scared of of your opposition, you've really got to take a look at yourself and, and think why that is. Because whatever coaching you're doing from the sidelines or whatever, you can't legislate for for players to suddenly lose confidence that quickly for for as long as they did. You know, it came back later on, and I'm, I'm you know I do mean this. We played for spells where where the fear wasn't there. We played really well. We were a, a better side than Huddersfield. And let's, but, you know, let's put that on, on both the positives and the negatives because it wasn't like we played Huddersfield and they played the best game of their lives. They were very ordinary. They weren't a particularly great side, but they've come out winning 3-0 at our, at our ground. And, you know, and, you know that, that in itself is a, is a pretty big concern. Patrick? Yeah, Chris, a couple of positives going back to Fosu Mensa and what Nick had said. That recovery speed that he has is going to be crucial for us as we go forward. Uh, we have mentioned in the past about the reason I really used to love having Suarez in our back fours because how quick he was. And they would allow our centre half to play higher because if, if we played higher and there's something we got behind us, Suarez could run them down. That's, that's what Fosu Mensa did yesterday. So I think that if we organise that back four, it could be a, a huge improvement. And just going back to just some stats real quickly, Chris, about you know, the improvement in the possession. Uh, we had 57% of the possession yesterday and uh, Huddersfield had 43. Now, 57% for us is, is a huge, huge um, increase. And I go to two games last year. Last year, when we, when we played Middlesbrough, we beat them both home and away, 3-2 away and I think 1-0 at home and or 2-1 at home. And during those matches, we had like 42% possession in both games against Middlesbrough, who we all know is not a great footballing team. So that possession thing, though people are getting frustrated at it right now, it's going to be huge for us because it will make us a better team because... People, you know, if you don't have the ball, you can't you can't score goals. And I know that defensively we were very poor yesterday. But on a, on the positive, I think that possession could lead to more opportunities to score goals and just better football to watch. At least I hope that's, so. That's, yeah, I, I agree with that. And what I would, I just further and say, okay, we didn't score, but we should have done. <laughs> you know, we, we could have had three, really couldn't we? Yeah, Definitely. yeah. So I don't actually think there's that much to fix going forward. We just need to sort out the back. Um, whether that's you know, people feel that the easy way to do that would be signing Sacco. Maybe it would. I think if Sacco was in for Dan, you'd have seen a better performance from the defence. But at the same token, with the players we've got, we should be defending better than that. And I think, you know, if you if you want to take the positive spin on it, this is one of those games where you could argue it's a good time to play like that. It's a good the opening game of the season. It's a good time to be able to go back this week 
have the management sit with the players and analyze that performance right because we've had to do it <laughs> so uh, when they do it they will be able to see exactly where that went wrong because it's quite obvious um and I think some of the tweaks I would like to see, I would like to see Milivojevic playing much more as a screening player. Uh, Roloftus-Cheek quite obviously plays better central than he does uh, up alongside Benteke in that right forward position, although he clearly can play there. Um, yes, I think so, that was because of um, the the weak link at the, uh, the wing-back position, though. Because they, yeah. they, they affect each other, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, that, that's yeah, that's kind of by the by, but yeah, I, I know, but it's <laughs> not the point I was making, Nick. Sorry, you've derailed me. In, uh, did you have another point to make? Because you said me, and then you interrupted me. Uh, yeah, no, there was just a tweet earlier from at Phil Tomo just saying about how Huddersfield had had so many more preseason games, and that that could be the uh, the reason we haven't practiced it enough. I know we got the the Ipswich game. Is it this week or next week? I think it's this week, and. Um, I think we need to play some games behind closed doors, as it were, um, as we used to do, just to drill in those those positions. Yeah, so they know where they are. Yeah, I think, uh, again, it's work that should have been done already, and I think that's probably the theme of this show, really, isn't it? I think we, we all feared we weren't prepared, and I think the evidence was there. In, in The lack of shots and, and the... The kind of the, the poor defensive organisation. Look, that's the point I'm making. There's plenty to work with there. It's better we do that now than, than later in the season, really. Um, I don't know. Anyone got any, any other positives they want to bring up? <laughs> Just trying to think. The fan zone. It was like it was nice that they put a fence around what was already there. And I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen in the winter because who's going to be there when it's peeing down and freezing cold? But, yeah. <laughs> but it was good, was it? Yeah, it was interesting, and uh, Mr. Parrish came on and uh, officially opened it. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, I thought there was going to be more there. And if we are going to sort of build a stand there, where's the fan zone going to go? In a new stand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves, eh? <laughs> some, some, some way off. Um, yeah. Glad a couple of positives. Of course you Regarding the, uh, the again the formation again, I think it, we actually might have two young players that can actually fit in, who didn't play yesterday that could do better at some position. I think one Basaka can play right wing back better yes. than Joel Ward could. Agreed. I think, I think Lukilo will be better at the right sided forward than um, lots of cheek. Put him in the centre. Then you've got because he's also very, very good at, at set plays. And I'm going to say it: we should probably change our goalkeeper because if we change our goalkeeper, we have someone in there that's more confident. I think if we did that, and that's not buying a single player. I mean, it's a little, ball, it's a little, it'll be a little gutsy to do it against Liverpool. I try, I try against Ipswich, but I'm telling you right now, I think we did that. We used to be a much, much, much better team. As long as they defend better. Yeah. Isn't, no. that what, isn't that why they've got the open training day on the 15th, just in case somebody catches the ball <laughs> and they think, oh, we'll have him. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Get right. down there, Nick. Well, you two are bashing your microphones like unprofessional people. Lucy. Yes, I want to pick up on Patrick's point about needing a new goalkeeper. Because okay. um, I agree, and we are all entitled as fans, we pay our money to be critical. But I just want to point out the um, the way some fans have been behaving across social media um, towards Wayne Hennessy. Now, I I don't think he's up to scratch. 
I I don't th- I don't think he is Premiership quality, Premier League. Quality, Premier League. Sorry. sorry, Premier League quality. But some of the abuse that he has been having on Twitter is completely unacceptable. He is Agreed. a Crystal Palace player. So, okay, so we're entitled to criticise, as I've already said, but the way that some are criticising him is unacceptable. Um, I believe that somebody has called out for him to die. Um, I believe that some people have just been like, F off and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he is a Palace player. You know, you can't well, can't do that to them. It's, it's not, not just it's not right. It's not just that, just just manners, right? Don't at people into it. Say what you want yeah. about Wayne Hennessy, but don't at him in a in a conversation on Twitter because yeah. oh, because he'll read it. It's like it's like what happened with Lockilio, wasn't it? Yeah. Because he got he got criticised by one idiot account on Twitter, right? He got one one account that said he was rubbish and all that. And what happens in that goal training video is you hear punch and shout after Lockilio scores. Uh, that one's for the haters. So clearly he's he's heard it, right? He's, he's sorry, he's read yeah. read that. Why would you want that? Why why? No. How arrogant do you have to be to think that you're entitled to to directly insult someone to their face because you don't rate them? Well, it's, it's like these people that um at Steve Parish. Oh, Steve, when are you going to spend some cash? When are you going to buy this player? When like try? I'm, I tweeted it the other day. You know, I don't profess to be a football manager and I and you know there are people that are well, in the not, job you're not well I know no I know I'm not but you know you, you have these bods on social media that think they're better than the people that are actually doing the job think they know more that at these um the, at the players that at Steve Parrish that that think that their that their tweet's going to get noticed and so the people are suddenly going to go oh do you know what I think you're right. You know, we do need to buy a centre back. Yeah, yeah I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> suddenly Chris from Chris from Crawley, who acts, um, <laughs> who acts, uh, Steve Harris saying, "Oh, why haven't you bought Sacco yet?" Is going, he's going to pop up and say, "Well, Chris, you know, I've been really busy, you know, singing Sugar Hill Gang on holiday, but when I get round to it, I will do it." It's just so uncomfortable. Loose, loose. I don't, at, I don't at him on Twitter. I DM him. It's fine. Slide into DMs. No, but in all seriousness, I, I, you know, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm personally not saying that you can't have an opinion and you can't state no. it on on social media. That's what he's no, there for. And, and similarly, you can contact players and you can contact you can contact Steve Parrish if you like, or whatever, on Twitter because that's he's he's there and he's open to that. You know. If you didn't want that, you wouldn't be on Twitter, would you? Or you'd have a private account. But I just go back to just basic manners and humanity. Don't, don't friend, don't say you wish someone was dead, because yeah. that's that's that just shows you up to be a really, really unpleasant human being. And it and it just it's just there's no justification for it. Patrick, did you want to say something? Sorry, mate. No, I just I mean I don't know if it'll come out, but I'm, I'm one of his biggest critics. I'd never at Wayne Hennessy. I mean, to me, that's, I agree with you, that's totally uncalled for. I only at players to give them praise or thank them for stuff, and I mean, yeah. I'm just different, but I don't understand people You're do that. And you call me what you want, I mean, that's a very strange thing to call me. But, don't, um, don't at him in that on Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> but again, I mean, so that's what social media has become, unfortunately, and again, I mean, you can criticise someone, but to at, you know, to at them, it's, I mean, it's, to me, that's a little bit over the top, and again, I'm agree with Lucy, I mean, again, I'm, I'm a bigger biggest critic and i would never do something like that i mean that's, that's just not uncalled for we've been it's saying like jo- jordan much 
you know, Chris, you, you have an opinion on him, but you wouldn't go, go you wouldn't be a keyboard warrior and at him and say, you know what, I think you're a whatever. I wouldn't. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you might say it to his face, but... <laughs> Chris, actually, Chris actually tears out letters from newspaper headlines and does it on paper. And... <laughs> it's so it's Sorry, a bad we say a lot of stuff on this show and we're critical of individuals as they and their performances on this show but but we we don't then send a recording of this show to the players on the show please have a listen it's a, a, a 46 patrick says you're this choose to listen to what we say or not and that's the whole point it's choice isn't it right and uh, anyway yeah. so we've had we've had some some issues technically this this week so i'm going to end the, sh- end the show there um so thank you so much for everyone who's, who's, who's braved it and listened uh hopefully it comes out all right on the on the podcast uh don't forget you've obviously got terence's preview show ahead of the liverpool game in midweek let's hope for a, a much improved performance and we've learned a lot of lessons from this week and uh we'll be back next week hopefully with a much cheerier show thank you very much see ya bye Bye. Radio live review show, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Hi everyone, it's Terence from the Preview Podcast here to give your ears a rest from Hambo's incessant ranting, Nick Gusset's god awful puns, and Patrick O'Connor's half English, half American robot voice. I'm here to remind you that from Wednesday nights, the Liverpool Preview Show will be ready for your ears from 10 p.m. at all good podcast outlets. It's 100% more me and 100% less Hambo. What more could you want? Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at a horrific opening day defeat against newly promoted Huddersfield Town. An own goal from Joel Ward and two from club record signing Steve Mounier condemned Frank de Boer to a heavy defeat and seemed to realise the worst fears of many supporters before the... the, the yeah, yeah, I've done that wrong. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at a... Bad there. Oh, let's just start it right again. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hamley and I'm laughing. I'm just laughing. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hamley and I'm your host today as we look back at a horrific opening day defeat against newly promoted Huddersfield Town. An own goal from Joel Ward and two from club record signing Steve Mounier condemned, condemned Frank De Boer to a heavy defeat and seemed to realise the worst fans. Oh my God, Mikey, that's I'm saying wrong words and stuff now. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and I'm your host today as we look back at a horrific opening day defeat against newly promoted Huddersfield Town. An own goal from Joel Ward and two from club record signing Steve Mounier condemned Frank de Boer to a heavy defeat and seemed to realise the worst fears of many supporters before the whistle. Tonight we analyse the game and attempt to answer the questions as to what went wrong and why. Want to hear your views too? Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find all the ways to get in touch today. More? After this. Easy, first time, wouldn't it, mate? Sort of. Yeah, first time. Yeah. I definitely have no recordings if you're getting it wrong seven times. No, no, and I'm sure we can't use those in any way to <laughs> merciless. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.